In the early days of Christianity, the church was a living, vibrant organism. It wasn't an organization. It wasn't a denomination. But it was a body of people who, even though they were persecuted and their lives threatened because of their love for Jesus and their love for one another, they didn't go to church. They were the church. And I say it like everybody else says it. I'm going to church this morning. But in the early days of Christianity, it wasn't something that you thought about going to. It was just what you are. So we come to this place actually on Sundays. We come to this place on this day because we have come to celebrate the joy, the salvation, the deliverance, We've come to love the Lord who loved us first. We've come to give Him thanksgiving for all that He's done for us. We come to fellowship with one another because we are a family. Say that with me. We are a family. It reminds me of an old song. I just want to sing it, but I'm not that good. We are family. Kind of look like Ellen there, don't I? <laughs> But we are family. We used to sing a song in the 70s. I just love it when God's people get together. There's just nothing like it, the song would say. But we come together to pray, and we come together to give, and we come together to hear the word of the Lord, to keep Sabbath, to observe Sunday, is not legalistic duty. It's a delight, and it's a joy. Now, I'm going to confess something to you, and I want you to hear me well. Growing up, my family, my mom and dad were so committed to Christ. We were in Sunday school. We were in church. We were in church again an hour early for whatever special services they had going on before the 7 o'clock service started. And a lot of times we were there to 9.30 and 10 o'clock at night. We were back on a Wednesday night for a church. There was often a men's meeting that was happening at night during the week. There was a ladies' meeting happening at night during the week. And then we had something, if you remember this, wave your hand at me, we had something called revival meetings. Do you remember revival meetings? Some of those meetings would last five weeks, and our family would be there every single night for five weeks, and I got to confess to you, there were times when I didn't want to go to church anymore. Anybody remember something like that? Yeah, it's just the way we were, but as I've gotten older, I've become so grateful for those habits and those patterns that my mother and father instilled into my sisters and I. I remember learning to tithe from an earliest age and Daddy having us fill out our own tithing envelope and the joy of being able to, to give when the offering was passed by and to feel like we were participating. The longest, the longest time that I can ever remember services happening every single night, Monday through Sunday, it was that five-week revival that I just mentioned. But we would have several of those a year because our pastor felt like we needed them. But on Sunday, that was a special day. It was a day of rest for everybody but my mother. <laughs> because my mother prepared a feast on Sunday afternoons. 
And it was often at our table that our pastor would bring those invited pulpit guests, those evangelists and those missionaries, because everybody knew Miss Louise made the best fried chicken in the county. And so I got to meet a lot of these people growing up at our Sunday table. But one thing you could not do, except for my mother and my sisters who washed the dishes afterward. Yes, I was spoiled, spoiled, spoiled growing up. But my mother and my sisters would clean up the table and clean up the kitchen. But you didn't work. You didn't watch television. God forbid that you would go to the store or mow the grass. That was one thing that I thought was really great. You didn't have to work on Sundays. Anybody remember that as well? Matter of fact, it was just about impossible in my hometown to shop on Sundays because gas stations were closed, grocery stores were closed, drug stores were closed. Gas stations would have up signs in their parking lot, buy gas on Saturday, go worship the Lord on Sunday. Not bad idea, right? And so I don't think that we've necessarily evolved into something better because we're no longer observing the Sabbath the way that we used to. This commandment that we're going to look at this morning, and we're in a series, for those of you who are just joining us, we're in a series on the Ten Commandments that we call the good life. And the reason we're calling it the good life is because God gave the Ten Commandments not to enslave us, but to enrich us. God gave the Ten Commandments not to enslave us, but to enrich us. What happened is that people, like they always do, they keep adding rules and they keep adding regulations to how you're supposed to observe Sunday. You're not going to get any of that this morning. The Puritans had 84 pages of very small print of what you could do and couldn't do and how you were supposed to observe the Sabbath day. John Owen said the Sabbath has become, John Owen was a Puritan preacher, John Owen said that the Sabbath day has become a day of burden because men have added so many rules and regulations to it. But the Sabbath, this fourth commandment, is the longest and is the most detailed commandment of the Ten Commandments. Now think about what we've already studied from the Bible on these Sunday morning services. And we come to the Sabbath and it's the longest and it's the most detailed of all of the Ten Commandments. It's the one that's mentioned more often in the Bible than any other of the Ten Commandments. In the Old Testament alone, the Sabbath is mentioned over 100 times, and there are blessings. If you read Isaiah 58, if you read the book of Amos, there are blessings that God gives to people who properly observe the Sabbath. I think what happens is when God gives us this commandment, then people suddenly, and it's just our human nature, we try to jump to creating all these rules, maybe out of good motivations, of how we can scrupulously keep the commandment and be sure we're not violating it. But the commandment was not given to enslave us to rules, but to enrich our lives. Now, I want you to think for just a moment, because all of this is important before we go to the Scripture. Have you ever thought about where the concept of a week came from? We know the concept of the day from science, and we know the concept from the Bible. The concept of a day is that the earth spins around on its axis 24 hours each day. We call that a day. 
The, the earth's months is a lunar cycle, so we count our months basically. You know, I know our calendar is a little differently, but the Jewish calendar is a definite lunar calendar. We get our months from the lunar, the phases of the moon. And then you get the year. We get our year because of the earth's rotation around the sun in 365 days. But where do you get the concept of a week from? You get the concept of the week and the Sabbath day from the Bible. You don't get that in science. You don't get that because of anything that the earth does or the solar system does and any of the scientific laws that God established. But you get the week because of God's creative order that he gave to us. The week is what it is, and I don't know any better way than say it than that. The week is what it is because God made the week. Are you following me on that? And that's important to remember for this message and to understand why the commandment is so detailed. When God gave a rainbow, God gave it to Noah to remind Noah that he would never flood the earth again. And unfortunately, we've allowed people to co-opt that symbol and where most people don't even know that it has anything to do with God's promise not to judge the earth with the flood again. When God gave to us the Sabbath, it's God's promise to us that if we trust him, God is going to provide for us. Because the Sabbath, observing Sunday as a day of rest, is all about trusting God. It's all about putting your faith in God. You cannot keep Sabbath unless you really trust God. Now imagine that you were slaves. Imagine like the Jews, you had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. The whip had been put to your back. You had been persecuted. Your babies were being killed because the, the Egyptians thought that you were having too many babies. And so they were killing your children. And imagine that God sets you free. And the first thing he does is go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and tell them, now I want you to take one day off a week. You're free now. Because Sabbath means that we're free people, only free people, only people who have a God that can tr they can trust, can, can trust him to take care of them the rest of the week and the rest of the month and the rest of the year. When you're a slave, you work every single day under the taskmaster's whip. Matter of fact, some of you may work for some employers. If he had his way or she had her way, she would have you or he would have you working every single day of the week and begrudges the fact like Scrooge that you even get a week off or you get a day off or you get a weekend off. But slaves worked every single day. And not only that, God said your animals would get the day off. God said your employees would get the day off. God even established a Sabbath pattern of years so that the land would get rest, so that the land would be fertile and productive. And God said, if you observe the Sabbath days, if you observe these Sabbath principles, you will prosper, the land will prosper, but if you don't observe them, the land will eventually vomit you out. So this is a very unique commandment that we have. Jesus confronted the Jews on, or the priests and the Pharisees on all the rule keeping like the Puritans did that John Owen was complaining about, and he was a Puritan. Jesus broke not the Sabbath, but he freely broke the rules that people had established around the Sabbath. 
Jesus told his disciples, he says, go ahead, get some kernels of corn off the stalk, and you can eat and be hungry. So Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for, if you remember it, Jesus said Sabbath was made for man or human beings, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus healed a woman one time, and Jesus said it's a day for deliverance. Jesus delivered another person one time from tormenting spirits, and Jesus said it was a day for showing mercy. Jesus healed a man, and he said it was a day for doing good. So Sundays are a day for us to show mercy. Sundays are a day for us to do good. Sundays are a day for us to enjoy the deliverance and the rest that God has given to us. Sunday is a gift. Can you say amen? It is a gift to you and me. And it's one of the reasons why Truett Cathy decided he would not open his restaurants on Sunday. He would give his employees a day off. He would, he would build his business model. And though it might cost him millions and millions of dollars for being off on Sunday, the Wall Street Journal two years ago did an article that Chick-fil-A was the most prosperous per restaurant and the most productive per restaurant of any fast food chain and the United States, even though they were closed on Sunday. Remember, God says, if you will honor me, I will honor you. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? When I was a college student, I noticed that a lot of my classmates, even though I went to a Christian college, wouldn't go to church on Sunday or midweek services Because, as they said, and rightfully so, we were taking Bible classes every day. We had to be in chapel three times a week, and so they wouldn't go to church. One of my roommates told me, he says, you don't have to go to church. I went to the chapel, and I began to pray, and, you know, because I got up and got ready for church, and my roommate was snoring in the bed, and I was like, hmm. What's not right about this, you know? I went to the chapel, and I remember the Holy Spirit just speaking, and it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't weird. It was just this impression on my heart. If you honor me, I will honor you. And so for the rest of my life, I have been in church on Sunday mornings. I have been in church on Wednesday nights. I have kept faith with this covenant. My children have kept faith with it. It is the richest thing in my life. It is the best day of the week. And it's hard for your children to come to a conclusion. Now listen to me. Parents and grandparents, those of you watching online today, and I'm so glad you're here, but it is hard for your children to come to the conclusion that Sunday and being part of a local church and worshiping together and ministering together is first priority in your life when it's actually third and fourth priority by the way you model it. And when something else, whether it's something good like soccer or football or baseball or whether it's just taking the day off and laying in bed, whether something good, but you've made that priority rather than Christ being your first priority to gather with God's people to worship. It's good news for slaves, but it's also good news for you and me. Because we were slaves to sin till God set us free. Can you say amen? So with all of that in mind, and I know that was a long introduction, 
But we really need to get back to understanding why Sabbath is so important. Stand with me this morning. In the book of Exodus, remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. We've established before that holy is, holiness is goodness, it's love, it's peace, it's kindness, it's joy. I mean, it's these things we call the fruit of the Spirit in the New Testament. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the Sabbath day is a Sabbath day of what? Read it with me. Rest. Say it again. Rest, a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And that is why the Lord, read it with me, blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Father, we need your help because we live in a time and in a culture, Lord, of so much stress, God, of people like the family I just referred to in the paper this week. God, how can you rest when it seems like the bottom may slip out from you any day? I ask you that you would speak to our hearts that each one here are watching online would experience what I experienced that day as an 18-year-old student in chapel when I knelt and prayed about keeping the Sabbath holy. For it's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Sundays are the Sabbath. Christians observe Sunday as the Sabbath because it's the day we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. I've taught on that before, but if you want to know more about that, email me or take time to talk with me after church day, after the baptismal class today. Sabbath reminds me of what we've lost, but also of what we found. Sundays reminds us of the grace that God has given us. Ben Patterson, a Presbyterian pastor, said, what do we lose when we lose the Sabbath we lose grace. What do we lose when we lose the Sabbath? We lose grace. And what is grace? You might know the theological definition. Grace is God's unmerited favor. But a way to really understand it is when God gives us something that we don't deserve. I don't deserve Becky. I don't deserve my children. I don't deserve to pastor this congregation. I don't deserve the health I have. There's not one thing, listen to me, and this is not feigned humility. This is coming from my heart. There is not one good thing that I enjoy in life that I deserve. It's all been because of the grace of God. And Sunday is a day out of a busy week. And Sunday is a day out of a week filled with demands where I get the opportunity to sit back and reflect upon all that God has given to me. Sunday was given for our benefit. Sunday was given to prevent us from experiencing burnout in our life. Or for some people, the new phrase now is brownout in their lives. Sunday is meant to recharge our creativity. Sunday is meant as a day for us to worship the Lord and as God downloads into our spirit what we need for that coming week. Three thinkers that I want you to listen to. Three thinkers who've had a big influence on my life through the years on the subject of busyness. Will Rogers, great American speaker and communicator, half our life is spent trying to find something to do with the time we have rushed through life trying to save. 
In other words, Roger's saying, everybody's rushing, trying to save time, and then when they have time, they don't know what to do with it. Grocers tell me when I ask them, Sunday is the biggest day of their week because so many people come to buy groceries on Sunday. I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying, is that what you've saved time for? Is that what you've bought time-saving devices? Is that why you went to time management classes? Is so you could go to the Piggly Wiggly and buy pork chops? I mean, duh, there is something better in life than that. Barbara Brown Taylor, a woman theologian that is, has had a lot of influence in my life in her writing, she says, some of us have made an idol of exhaustion. If our calendars aren't jam-packed, if we can't say to people, oh, I'm just worn out, we don't feel like our lives have any value or any meaning to anybody. And what we've done, if you remember our second message in this series, is that we have made an idol out of exhaustion that somehow or another, if we can show that we're busy, 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 then our lives have significance. Christ gives to each of us a significant life. You have significance because you are made in the image of God, and you will know that significance when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen, would you? Gordon MacDonald, I am of the opinion that busyness is a deeper threat to the soul than pornography ever was. And I got to tell you, that sentence hit me like a Mack truck. Because I hate pornography, I hate the objectification that it does to people. But as I began to meditate and to think on this, I thought, well, busyness is what has led so many people to online pornography. Exhaustion, their, their walls are broken down, their defenses, their inhibitions are broken down, they're lonely, their lives aren't fulfilled, their marriages have fallen apart, they're wanting something that seemingly a screen promises and McDonald recognizes the source of that is the busyness of our lives. To keep Sabbath holy means that I honor and I celebrate and I worship. To keep Sabbath holy means that I honor and I celebrate and I worship. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, remember. Look at your neighbor and say that word to them this morning. Remember. There's a great little app. I don't use it, but I know people that do, and I I think it's a great little app. It's called Remember the Milk. It's a to-do app. It's something people put on their phones that reminds them to pick up those things or certain things that they have to do. You have probably one of those on your phone. If you have an iPhone, you have something called reminders that remind us. Well, the Bible tells us, remember to observe. And to observe means that we keep. To observe means that we sanctify. We observe Christmas Day. We pull out all of the decorations and we celebrate here at the church we celebrate with our families we're observing Christmas but we sing with our children and we tell our children the Christmas story that it's not about Santa Claus and it's not about Christmas trees and all of those are good I taught on that this year this what those symbols mean but we observe the day because it was the day that Christ was sent into the world to save his people from their sins. Isn't that good news? And so we observe the goodness and the joy, and we honor Sabbath by keeping it holy. And how do we keep it holy? We rest. God was not tired when he rested on the Sabbath day. 
God doesn't get tired. God doesn't get weary. God doesn't need to get sleep. But God modeled for you and for me, God modeled for all of us and for Becky and I, God modeled something good that he established into the created order, and that was that on one day a week, you rest and you look back and you remember the faithfulness of God during that week and you look forward to the faithfulness of God. You don't have to farm. You don't have to gather manna. You don't have to do anything. You rest and worship. You enjoy your marriage, your family, your children, your hobby, whatever it is, and you worship the Lord. You see, when you realize, look at me now, when you realize you're no longer Atlas, you're no longer holding the world up, the world doesn't rest on your shoulders, and periodically, there comes those moments in my life where I feel like everything is resting on my shoulders, and I realize I need Sabbath. I realize I need to stop and rest and spend time with God. What is rest? Now, this is what I want you to get. What is rest? What is Sabbath rest? It's the, now you'll understand the title, it's the R-E-M of the soul. How many of you know what R-E-M stands for? Rapid eye movement. And scientists tell us it's not how many hours you sleep, but it's how much REM sleep that you get that determines whether or not you're rested and your body is refreshed and you're replenished and you're recharged. God gave us that one day a week, and he said, you need this REM moment for your soul, where somehow or another you're being renewed and you're being restored. It's what David meant when he said, he restoreth my soul. He's resting in the Lord. Second thing it means is to worship. Leviticus 23 and verse 3 says, we come together for worship. We come together as the body of Christ, as the family of Christ. We come together and we worship him. We celebrate what he's done for us. Jesus would pull his disciples aside. The one thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach them, they didn't ask to learn how to do miracles. They didn't learn how to be better preachers. They saw Jesus' prayer life and what it did for him, and they said, Jesus, make us prayer warriors. Jesus, teach us how to pray. There's something about coming together with you each week. It renews my soul. It restores my soul. There's something about having the Sabbath day just to be with Becky. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, live joyfully with your wife. Somebody say, come on, victory right there. I live joyfully with my life. I enjoy her. I, I enjoy being with her. I enjoy my children and my grandchildren, and I am so thankful for FaceTime. Can I get an amen on that? To be able to see my grandbabies and to talk to them and love them and pray with them. I fellowship with God's people. Do you know what I hear often right here at the back of the church? Look at me. You want to hear one thing that's whispered in my ear a lot? Pastor, I wasn't going to come today but I'm so glad I did. Do you know why? 
Because God downloaded something into their soul. God poured something into their life. God restored them. It's a day for me to focus. It's a day for me to refocus and recalibrate my life as I sit down in the evenings with my calendar. I look over the upcoming week, and generally between 6 and 7, I disappear to my study upstairs, and I just had a, a young IT guy with a family call me from another city. He says, could I come spend a day with you and see how you manage your life and your calendar? And we're getting together to do that. But I, I go upstairs about 6 or 7 o'clock. It doesn't take me long. I look over my goals again for the year. I look at the goals for the month. I go back through and I pray over every single one of them. Lord, whatever needs tweaking, whatever needs adjusting, I commit those to the Lord. I map out the rest of the week and I come down within less than an hour and I sit down with my family because they take naps and I don't. Okay? Napping is okay on Sunday, on Sunday afternoons, but I just can't seem to get, I'm pretty wired up after church on Sunday morning. Anybody else in here like me on that? A few. How many of you take a nap on Sunday? How many of you are not being honest? How many of you take a nap on Sunday? Wave at me. All right. I see. I'm in the minority here. It's a difficult lifestyle, I know. <laughs> Eugene Peterson, the translator of the message, said this, Sabbath is uncluttered time and space. To distance ourselves from the frenzy of our own activity so we can see what God was and is doing. If we don't regularly quit work one day a week, we take ourselves far too seriously. I talked with a group of Ford execs a couple of years ago right after the COVID things were lifted. I don't even know how I got the invitation there, but we talked about employee health. And one thing I said is if you work your employees seven days a week, you're going to have an inferior product and an inferior team. It is built into our nature. We need one day a week. I don't know if it did any good, but it was interesting that they asked the question. I didn't offer it. They asked the question, and then I gave the answer. If we don't regularly quit work one day a week, we take ourselves far too seriously. The moral sweat pouring off our brow blinds us to the primal action of God in us and around us. What does he mean by primal? The creative story in the Bible of how God created you and I in his image and God rested, not because he was tired, but God rested because he enjoyed what he had done. Secondly, the Sabbath was given in grace as an example of holiness. Follow me here now in the book of Exodus. For in six days the Lord made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them, and rested the seventh day. So he blessed the Sabbath day, read it with me, and set it aside for rest. Read it again. Set it aside for rest. Look at your neighbor and tell him that. He set it aside for rest. The Sabbath, look at me, don't miss this. I don't say this with, with any sense of judgment. I don't say this with any sense of condemnation. But just listen to me. The Sabbath day is not mine to decide what to do with. God set it aside as a day of rest for you and I. In Deuteronomy, God gets a little more detailed with the Sabbath. Matter of fact, I would read the Deuteronomy portion of this later. Why should you keep the Sabbath? It's because you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out 
with a great display of miracles. Did you know during the French Revolution, during the French Revolution, they were trying to throw out all of the old laws that were associated with Christianity. They were trying to get rid of the Bible. As a matter of fact, Voltaire said this, we cannot destroy Christianity until we first destroy the Sabbath. We cannot destroy Christianity until we first destroy the Sabbath. Friends, that is an important point where the enemy of your soul knows that if he can destroy God's work of grace in you, he will get, begin by attacking the Sabbath day. It didn't work for the French people because within months, not a year, but within months, they had to establish the Sabbath again because productivity failed, the nation's economy was failing, and people's health were failing. God created us to rest one day a week. Now let me wrap this up real quickly with our growth work this morning. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, Jesus traveled to Nazareth where he had grown up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, read it with me, as he always did, and stood up to read. As he always did. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Can I see your hands? The rest of you, I expect to see your hand when I give the altar call this morning. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Can I see your hand? He went to the synagogue. We go to church on the Sabbath day like Jesus did. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath day was made to help people. They were not made to be ruled by the Sabbath day. God gave you the Sabbath to help you, to enrich your life. Now, there may be times, and I don't have time to deal with this, there may be times your ox falls in the ditch. There may be days when you need to show mercy or do good for somebody. All of that, I think, is perfectly permissible. But as a habit and as a standard, we observe the Sabbath day. And in the book of Acts, chapter 20 and verse 7, we met on Sunday to worship and to celebrate the Master's Supper or communion together. We met to worship and celebrate. I have never believed that coming to church should be a drudgery. When I'm asked to speak to pastors about preaching, first thing I tell them, I said, preaching should be one of the most exciting and the primary thing you do in your life every day of your work week. Because the Bible is the most relevant book in the world. And it is a sin against God to make irrelevant what he has made relevant. And Sabbath is relevant to all of us. So how do we do it? Number one, we gather with one another to worship. Did you know no less a man than Albert Schweitzer said, if your soul has no Sunday, it becomes an orphan. Read that out loud with me. That's good. If your soul has no Sunday, now think about your children. Becky texted Chris and Rachel this week, said, y'all should have a dozen children. I was like, yes. Christopher was like, yes. Rachel was like, huh? And then I replied to the group text with our family. I said, 
when I wanted to have a fifth child, you said, no way. She basically said, you're not Chris and Rachel. <laughs> I look at our children. Those of you who don't know, all four of our children are adopted. And there's no greater honor in my life besides Becky calling me sweetheart. Those four kids calling me dad. Those grandkids calling me granddad. The thought of being an orphan, the thought of what not observing Sunday does to you, does to you, I'm telling you, it brings many tears to your pastor's eyes. But it brings so much joy when I see you here worshiping the Lord. Look, I've done this a long time. I don't need another plaque. Matter of fact, we throw all of my plaques away except for one. I don't need another award. I don't need another meeting to feel special. I've had far more than I deserve in my life. When I tell you Sunday is God's gift to you, I tell you that not because we need bottoms in the pews and we need dollars in the buckets. That has nothing to do. It's because I love you. But more than that, God loves you this morning. Do you get that? Without Sunday, your soul becomes an orphan. Secondly, rest. And for everybody, rest is different. If polishing your car rests is you, polish your car on Sunday afternoon. Mowing your lawn rests you. Mow your lawn. You can tell I'm ready for summer to come back, can't you? I don't have anything to tell you in winter. J.I. Packer says, choose the leisure activities that bring us close to God, to people, to beauty, and to all that ennobles. It's a day also for leisure. It's a day also just to enjoy the gifts that God gave you. And then finally, be loved and love one another. Be loved and love one another. Would you stand with me this morning? Patrick Morley said these words in a book that I've given to many of the men in this church. The height of our love for God will never exceed the depth of our love for one another. Would you read that out loud with me this morning? The height of our love for God will never exceed the depth of our love for one another. John, my love for God will never exceed how much I love you, my dear brother. Ed, my love for God will never exceed how much I love you. Mildred, I can't see you. I'm stepping out of the camera. There you are. My love for God will never exceed how much I love you, sister. Do you get that? My love for God, your love for God. God doesn't call us to be monks and hermits. God calls us to love one another. For herein is the love of God, that we love one another. And if you don't know that amazing kind of love, then you haven't met Jesus yet. And the Jesus you may have heard about or the rules and regulations you may have heard about, Jesus didn't give those because God gave you the gift of Sunday because he wants you free from your sin. He wants you free to enjoy life. 
He wants you to know if you trust him, he'll sustain you, he'll deliver you. He will give you a life full of significance and meaning. And for as long as you live, you will know the favor of God, the love of God's people, but you will also know when you and I breathe our last breath that we will be with him and one another forever and eternity. And if you're ready to receive God's love in this building or online, I'm going to ask everybody just to bow your heads with me and pray with me right now. If you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, something's moving inside of you. It's kind of like that experience I had as an 18-year-old in a chapel where I prayed, and it just, I knew that I knew this is what I was supposed to do. And if you're ready to do that, you sense that. Don't fake it, but if you really sense that, then pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting me into your family. Thank you for stirring my soul this morning. I want you. I need you. Right now, it's not about a day. It's about forgiveness of my sins and a new life that you offer me. But this day reminds me that if I trust you, you will give me new life. You will save me from my sin. You will provide all of my needs. You will sustain me. And when I breathe my last breath, you will receive me into paradise with you. So as much as I know how, I give my life to you in Christ's name. If you prayed that, every head still bowed. If you prayed that, would you just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that with you today. I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Someone else. Anybody to my left, you'd say, I'm committing my life to Jesus. God bless you. Yes. And if you're committing your life to Christ online today, would you say, or just send me a message here. I want to send you something to help you get started your new life for Christ. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for what he's done today? Celebrate with me. Hallelujah. Now may the Lord God, who said that when I pray a prayer of blessing over you or you pray a prayer of blessing over someone else, that his face would shine upon you, his favor would be upon you, that he would smile upon all you do. May you enjoy this day of rest and leisure and fellowship and love. And may you count it a joy and not a burden, for that is what God intended it to be for you. Go forth and do good, show mercy, and bring deliverance to others because of your love for Jesus Christ. The Lord's name be upon you all. God bless you. Amen.